gotta say is, what a year, what a year. Whoa. I decided not that every year. Hello from Hollywood and welcome to the Greatest Show on Grass podcast. I'm your host and ringmaster, Joshua Newman, and I'm joined today by Tanisha Singleton. The Greatest Show on Grass explores the past, present, and future of the recently reconstituted Los Angeles Rams. In our first segment, we discuss something the internet's buzzing about and why it matters to Rams fans in a segment we call Ramdom. Kazakhstan's Gennady Golovkin is 33 years old and one of the top boxers in the world, currently holding the unified WBA, IBF, IBO, and WBC middleweight titles. So when the champ received the news that the St. Louis Rams would be moving to Los Angeles, he got so excited that he vowed to wear their colors in his next fight scheduled for April 23rd against Dominic Wade. Uh, No, this is not a Sasha Baron Cohen joke. This is uh, true uh, L.A. pride. Are we uh, are you excited about this as I am? I am. I'm super excited about this because even though while Triple G isn't from here, he's accepted here. And that's because he's endeared himself to the fans and the community. He wins. He's a champion. And although winning consistently isn't always an option, you know, when you're a team, it's going to be very, very hard for somebody, you know, to pull a Mayweather and be like 47 and 0 or whatever or have that undefeated streak during a season. Uh, Even though winning might not always be available what better way is there to endear yourself to local fans and the community than becoming a loyal fan of that community and embracing the sports that are around that community? So it, it, it showing that support to other teams and, and him doing this by, you know, how can a boxer do something like this? Like, well, OK, he's just he's just wearing the colors. You know what I mean? It's it could be as simple as that. It doesn't have to be, you know, being, uh, you know, having the best seat or having, you know, a suite or anything like that. But just even just the mention uh, on Twitter, putting out the picture, having him wearing the colors, say, hey, you know what? I may not be from here, but I'm I'm embracing this culture. I love it. And that's exciting to me. Like, why not? I, I didn't know much about Golovkin, mm-hmm. to be honest, not a huge boxing fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, did some research, though. Um, and one thing that I, I came across that I thought was super interesting from the perspective of this story is that he usually um, kind of enshawls himself with the flag from Kazakhstan, mm-hmm. um, which has a golden eagle uh, and the sun huh. on top of a blue sky. So it's actually a gold and blue yeah. uh, flag. So semiotically, it's already like Ram's colors. Yes. So it's not a stretch. Yes. So at the t- so That's it's really, cool. it's not just an homage yeah. to a brand. Mm-hmm. It's really a kind of merging of two brands to a Absolutely. certain extent. Absolutely. Um, Internationally. Even though you don't necessarily, it's an improbable merger, I guess. Yeah. Kazakhstan and uh, <laughs> the Los Angeles Rams. But. Yeah, it's a great way. I mean, I know a lot of fighters that have, blended their nationalities, their communities, you know what I mean? That are, you know, either MMA stars or even like pro wrestlers, you know, like there was a guy that wanted to get into and get into MMA. Um, but his background is like traditional, like professional wrestling. And I was just gone into acting and he's Filipino and Greek and he's got a giant tattoo on his arm of those two flags merged together. Cause some of the colors are similar still, you know, kind of like this, mm-hmm. but it, it's awesome. You know what I mean? And I just like the cross promotion of sports and having athletes from the same town have represent each other. You know what I mean? And be supportive. Who do you think this is better for Golovkin or the Rams? The Rams. Yeah. I think it's totally the Rams. GGG in boxing is 
one of the flashier names right now. He's a big showman. I kind of am getting into boxing a little bit more when I was a kid, obviously. Like it was it was huge in the nineties, Mike Tyson era. I had like every t-shirt you could find of his, like Buster Douglas Punch Out, like all that stuff. Boxing, you know, has been arguably on this roller coaster now that MMA has gotten so much more popular and it's a lot more action as opposed to like punch hold, punch hold, punch hold, mm-hmm. you know, for 12 rounds. And the Mayweather thing has totally gotten out of control. And with the hype that was around the Pacquiao fight and people didn't even care anymore because it was like, what, we waited all this time for this? You know what yeah, I mean? So boxing this, has taken that yeah. kind of a dip. But GGG is one of those guys is that people look forward to. He's that marquee name. I guess my question in a sense was informed by the sort of crossover appeal of mm-hmm. Manny Pacquiao and wondering whether this is a little bit of attempt to speak to a fan base that's maybe not necessarily interested in boxing, but is interested in celebrating the blue and gold. As, sure. And not to mention he's, this fight is happening in the forum, which is stands right. adjacent to the land in Inglewood where the Rams new uh, palatial stadium will be. So the symbolism was ripe. Um, I got to give him a lot of props for this. It's yeah, one timely. Of the, and it's really, you know, I, I think we've seen a lot of very public celebrations of Los Angeles mm-hmm. by LA Rams players. But other than since January 12th, not a whole lot of fanfare uh, coming from uh, unexpected places like this one right. around the Rams. So it's 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 nice to see the team take hold in this truly organic way. Yeah. And um and let's hope uh let's hope he wins. And- <laughs> I hope he wins too. And it's it's like you said, it's one of those things that it's organic. It doesn't feel forced. You know what I mean? It, it would feel forced if it was someone like Roy Jones or or Floyd. You know what I mean? Like that would feel like it was a PR induced, like, hey, I just want to hop on somebody's bandwagon that's coming up. You know what I mean? Yeah. But because this is one of those stars that is up and coming, it feels a lot more natural and it's just an, it, it feels actually endearing. Well, he's know? up and I mean in up and coming in terms of his stardom. He is thirty three, right. he's fought something like four hundred times, I think. Oh, absolutely. Um, but could right. can he walk into a bar and everyone stop? Correct. Yes. You know, no it, like, one would it, know who you, no one. No one would know. No. no one would know. But I think too the cross promotion from boxing into football, like you said, like although there might be a lot of football fans who aren't boxing fans, might not know who he is, <laughs> but they know boxing. But and they know and they respect that sport. They mm-hmm. respect that industry. And especially when it comes to like the community, the Hispanic community is huge into boxing. The yep. black community is huge into boxing. At his last boxing. fight, apparently, uh, the members of the crowd were wearing. Mexicans for Golovkin t-shirts. See? Yeah. Um, so even the, the community aspect and uh, having different cultures and diversity support that that has a lot of appeal to. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you've probably noticed a certain predilection we have for chronicling the bedroom exploits of Los Angeles Rams players. It's not just to titillate. Bob Waterfield and Jane Russell, Glenn Davis and Elizabeth Taylor, Dick Bass and Ava Gardner. The bedroom was where the Rams became Hollywood's team as much as on the field. Or at least almost as much. So it makes perfect sense that our first sponsor would be a mattress company. Made in America, a Casper mattress is obsessively engineered and at a shockingly fair price. 
$500 for a twin-size mattress, and $950 for a king-size mattress. Using two distinct technologies, latex foam and memory foam, a Casper mattress will give you just the right sink for brighter days and better nights. And there's pretty much zero risk for trying one out. You can try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. The Greatest Show on Grass is delighted to present this special offer to listeners. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash grass and using the promo code GRASS. Terms and conditions apply. My family been too happy. I just turned my mama hoopty to a new caddy. People thinking I'm rich and I wish they knew that. I'm inside for four years and I'm just able to do that. We are living in a very opportune moment where we get to know our players personally, hopefully, if they want us to, uh, through social media. And a lot of these guys on this team might be new for a lot of you out there. Um, so we thought we'd dedicate a segment to to telling you you must who you must follow and who you maybe should not worry about. <laughs> yeah, what I've kind of done is I've come up with a couple of lists here um, of go-to players that you might want to consider following uh, on social media, particularly Twitter and Instagram. I think those two are the major platforms where you're going to get the most authentic content and material like into their lives um, that they're willing to show. Facebook always seems to be a little bit more of PR agency related stuff, but Twitter and and Instagram are the two and Snapchat now that's getting a lot of momentum, but those two particularly I think are the, are the best too. So I've got a couple of lists here, one of hidden gems and then the duh, like the people that you absolutely like without thinking about it, like duh, you have to follow these particular guys. So I want to start with the hidden gems first. And one of them would be the punter, Johnny Hecker. And he on Twitter, it's at Jay Hecker, undrafted out of Oregon State in 2012. He's 26 years old. Personality wise, he's got a lot of it. You're obviously not going to hear a lot about punters, right? Like I name five punters, period, (laughs) in the league. You probably have to think about it a little bit. Um, He's certainly with with Chris Long and Janoris Jenkins departing. He's certainly the most colorful player on the team. I don't know what that says about the team when your most colorful character is a punter. (laughs) Right, right. He's one of them. He's one of them. He actually surprised me a lot. As I was going through this last night and I was just going through the players and stuff, I have to show you this picture. Um, Last, well, yeah, on March 16th was naturally or normally like Pi Day, right? Yeah. Some people that have been, um, you know, giant pro wrestling fans and stuff, they actually consider it like Steve Austin Day. Right. He came up with like the Austin 316. So this is a picture of him. Happy Steve Austin Day. Uh, hashtag stun him. Hashtag Austin 316. And he's dressed up like him. Got the bald head, the, the stone cold vest, title belt, wearing the same ring gear, which is nothing but some jean shorts and some and the knee pads. And, and I laughed out loud at that. And I was just like, this guy's awesome. Like, already I had to follow him just because of the pro wrestling reference and that like that's funny to me you know and he, i saw it i loved it yeah he's got some jokes too like it he was t- uh it was a candidate for ramdom last week <laughs> absolutely for but, best costume yeah. <laughs> but he even has some jokes where uh after the russell wilson sierra engagement that it shouldn't even be news but he after that came out um he tweeted global warming Psh, did you see the iceberg russ just bought sierra hashtag titanic beware so commenting on the giant rock that he bought her for as he's an engagement awesome. ring. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. awesome. So I think, uh, Hecker, you got to 
He's one of the ones that he might be a little hidden gem. He's a sleeper. He's a sleeper on the team, but uh, you might want to check him out. I think also you'd have to go with Alec Ogletree, linebacker. Mm, interesting. He's actually got a lot of funny stuff on there. He's first round pick out of 2013 from UGA. He's bulldog. So he's got a lot of content that references Georgia and his college days. He's always still supporting his squad. But he's got a great account. He's not likely to follow fans back. I see. But he's got, he interacts with them a lot. And he will retweet memes and pictures and gifts that fans give him. So there's a lot of of fan interaction with him that is just hysterical. Uh, Speaking of fan interaction with him, I, um, funny story, went down to the uh, Chargers Rams game uh, Mm -hmm. two years ago Mm -hmm. down in San Diego and sat with the whole Rams crew and, and uh, to the left of me and my father-in-law were, were um, an elderly woman and a younger woman who seems like cheered disproportionately every time <laughs> Alec Ogletree made a tackle. So I had a hunch and I leaned over and I said, are you connected to Alec Ogletree? And it was his mom and his fiance. Aww. And they were really sweet. And they're now his fiance and he are now married. And um I think we talked a little bit about Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember their response, but I, I, I asked, I was at that time I was asking, that was all that was on my mind. (laughs) But uh, like Alec questions. It's nice. Everyone should get to know Alec Ogletree. Um, He also seems to be a pro wrestling fan because he keeps, he actually recently tweeted a bunch of Steve Austin stuff. I think there's a Steve Austin thing going on in the locker room or something because he's been retweeting vines of Steve Austin giving the Stone Cold Stunner to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. From when Trump was uh, active, and I think it was a few WrestleManias ago, um, and he's just that personality and that clown. So with all of the political stuff going on right now, he constantly is retweeting Trump getting stunned by Steve Austin. So he's a funny one to go Who check out. Who else we got on the list? Also, defensive end Robert Quinn. Oh, okay. I think he's actually a good one, too. He's another one. Um, first round pick, uh, 2011 out of North Carolina. He actually follows fans. So he's one of those people that if you're like, oh, I have so-and-so with the with the verified check like in your follow box, he's one to go to. He has a lot of interaction with the other football players, too, which I think is nice because it shows the close relationships that they have that are league-wide. Um, and he actually is a great live tweeter at other sporting events. So it's like during March Madness, he's live tweeting games from the Tar Heels, you know. He's when UFC's fights are going on, when other um, um, when other football games are going on, anything else that's going on that everyone's watching. Like he had comments about Leo winning the Oscar finally, nice. you know, so he's one that you could actually see a lot of personality with. Get Maybe even get a follow back if you're one of those like persistent tweeters. So he's a fun one. And the last one that I have for like the hidden gems is Michael Brockers. Um Defensive tackle, 25 years old. A lot of these guys, too, in their mid-20s, too. Yeah. It's you a know, young team. It's the youngest it's young team in the NFL. Team, yeah. Right? So I, I was I was thinking about that, too, because these are a lot of early, mid-20s. So this is their era, kind of, like, for social media. Like, yep. Twitter just turned 10. But This it, is a millennial team. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're getting a lot of millennial fun content. Yep. You know, and he's definitely one of those that is actually better on Instagram than he is on Twitter. His Instagram account is mbrockers90. Most of his tweets are filtered like through that, but he's got a lot of off-season training stuff. So if you want to see what these guys are actually putting their bodies through like off the line, you know, or off the field rather, and he's got such a great family upbringing it seems. Like he's tweeting pictures of him having tea time with his kids. Hmm. Like he's posting a lot of charity events. It's just nice and refreshing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Instead of seeing these guys with the helmet, because it's hard to get that 
emotional connection to someone that you can't look in their eyes Mm -hmm. constantly. So this is your way of making that eye contact. Well, that's why this is such, I think this is such an interesting story because one of the things that distinguished his, from a historical perspective, what distinguished rooting from the rooting for the Rams from rooting for anyone other, other teams is that you, um, long before social media existed, you, you'd still got yeah. to know the Rams mm-hmm. because of Hollywood, because of television, because of film, because of point. appearances on Bob Hope specials or the Joey Bishop show or, uh, That's such a great point. um, you know, the, so uh, we were lucky here in Los right. Angeles for nearly half a century to have access to, um, a, you know, players that other fans in other cities wouldn't have necessarily gotten to know. Um, so I don't know what that means for, um, social media. It just is just ultimately another, another media. Yeah. It makes it so much easier now. It makes it so much easier. And a lot of these guys, you know, obviously through their representations and stuff are getting training, you know, nobody wants to be, you know, the guy getting caught sending, you know, or having their phone taken and, you know, explicit pictures get out or explicit content. You know what I mean? Like there's always people getting in trouble because of the things that Kenny Britt, did you come across that in your research? What happened? A couple of years ago, uh, Kenny Britt, uh, I believe tweeted, uh, an unfortunate, uh, video. (laughs) Uh, Uh, it made it to deadspin. Um, it was of the sexual nature. Sure. Um, naturally. Um, but yes, um, maybe wouldn't, maybe was only a blip because the team was in St. Louis at the time. Um, doubt that it would have escaped uh, the public eye. Yeah. Uh, had he been. But there's, sober. yeah, there's, you know, a lot of people will get in trouble because of the things that they put out there, harsh opinions, especially now in this, you know, um, election year, there's a lot of players getting slack for commenting, you know, on politics and race, gender, whatever. Um, so they're definitely getting, getting advice and like that guide. I'm like, all right, well, this is what you can do to like personally build your brand and stuff like that and how not to get in trouble and how to hit the mute button and how to hit block. You know what I mean? Because you will get hecklers. You will get the trolls. You'll just get those people that have like thumb muscles that will say all of this stuff to you on Twitter. But then if they walked next to you in an elevator, they'd be asking for a selfie and an autograph in a minute. You know what I mean? And they wouldn't say nearly any of the stuff that they would online than they would like in person. So just knowing that you know, hit the block, hit the mute. You don't have to, you know what I mean? Like get into that rage where you just take it out on social media. So, but these are really good guys um, that we're mentioning here that are pretty good to follow. And for the duh category, like these are just the obvious people that you need to follow in terms of like fan franchise facing people. Um, Aaron Donald mm-hmm. won. Um, out of pit, first round pick of 2014, two-time Pro Bowler, defensive rookie of the year, smart, smart guy. And although a lot of his content you might think is a little bit more business related because out of Pittsburgh, he has still a lot of roots over there. He actually opened already his own business out there and he's got his own restaurant bar called 80s Pittsburgh Cafe. So a lot of stuff that you're going to see is promotion for his own image for his own brands his own businesses that he's opening up and so i applaud that type of stuff you know like he's thinking beyond football already mm-hmm. and so he's he's showing a lot of patrons fans stuff like that you'll get a lot of interaction a lot of charity events this is a guy who's got his head on straight mm-hmm. i think so you're going to get a lot of good stuff from him also todd Gurley, like yeah. he's going to be the face of this franchise did you see the uh big sean uh instagram shot no from yesterday yep so Cam Newton and Todd Gurley were in the studio 
with Big Sean. <laughs> nice. And Big Sean Instagrammed uh, a, a couple of shots. Um, he didn't tag Gurley. I have no idea. I mean, he right, said Gurley was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but didn't like officially tag him. Maybe that's why I hadn't seen it. But yeah. maybe Big Sean will be, I don't know, maybe they're so, thinking of something like making that Rams anthem for in LA. Is Big Sean from here? I'm yeah, not he's sure. from Santa Monica. Santa Monica? Okay. He, he, I think he grew up in Detroit, but he, I think he's originally from Santa mm-hmm. Monica. Maybe. But yeah, he's... Uh, Gurley's obviously that good one. I think you're not going to get anything too extreme from him because like we were talking about getting in trouble, like he's playing it safe and smart. Um, another great business guy, lots of live tweeting hoops, um, a lot of fan retweets, fun content, and a lot of player interaction like Cam Newton. You know what I mean? Like you just said, um, these guys are An interaction with the old timers. Yeah. Like, that's one thing I love about Gurley. Yeah, like he gets Dickerson it all the time. He like, gets yeah, it. he gets the he's a symbolism. student of the yeah, game. Yeah. He gets it. So he's uh, a great one. And the last one that I have is actually a newbie, and that's Akeem Ayers mm. from the Pats. Nice. Obviously, Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl champ. A uh, few years with the Titans, one year with the Pats, won the Super Bowl with them uh, against the Seahawks. So, and he's born and raised from here. He went to UCLA and I think he's going to be one of those that you're going to have to look for because he's got, I think the most upside for bringing a lot of community relations into, into the Rams organization. Like he went to a uh, high school out here called, I'm going to butcher it. They call it the verb. Um, for sure, but it's like Verbium Day High, something like that. It's a private, all male Catholic college prep high school mm-hmm. out of Watts, and they do, and it's it's meant for uh, underserved youth and college prep program, and so a lot of his content is about that community. It's about giving resources to underserved underserved youth, and yeah, a lot of these guys are coming to LA for the first time. They've never right. They, 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 They've never been anywhere. They don't know the difference between, you know, the east side and the west side. They don't. Yeah. And he's like, what's traffic? Like yeah. they, they, they don't understand <laughs> that type of stuff. So he actually tweets a lot of stuff that he had recently um, around the Super Bowl time. Um, he spent it over there at the Verb on campus, watching it with kids, gave tweets out pictures of them all dabbing together. And he, he gave them a gold Super Bowl 50 football signed and a nice plaque mm. and everything. And so he does a lot of speeches out here. So I think he's going to be one of those guys that is going to be a leader on this team, not only because he's got the, the ring already. Um, he's one of the veterans. He's one of the older ones. He's going on like 27. Like we were talking about like millennials, a lot of early twenties, like he's 26 going on 27, I think. But I, I I'm going to look to him to be one of those that represents the Rams in the city and engaging with, with this population. So Akeem Mayers is another good one. I take the long view on things here and, uh, tried to, um, find, uh, as many of the old timers. Wow. Let's start with Eric Dickerson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a player, even in Los Angeles, I don't feel like you ever really got to know him. Um, he was, of course, always hidden behind layers and layers of pads and glasses and uh, linebacker style face masks. And it was um, he, he, he felt um, removed, I think. Um, other than that one time he posed in Playgirl. Um, but, you know, so getting to know him is, a, is an awesome privilege. He follows a lot of, like, alternative comedians. Like, um, he follows Nick Offerman and Aubrey Plaza and Hannibal Buress. Um, I think one nice thing is he, he that you don't see from a lot of the old timers, he follows a lot of the 
current Rams. Yeah. Including Trey Mason and Tavon Austin and Aaron Donald. Yeah, there's tons. I'm going through his account right now. He's got tons of pictures with Gurley. And, and so that was one of the things I really looked for from the old timers, a connection to the present day team. Um, you also find that uh, Eric Dickerson's at just simply Eric Dickerson at Eric Dickerson. Um, Leroy Irving, who was um, on this show, on the first show, if you haven't listened to it, it's our, our premiere show. He's at L.A. Rams 47. 47 was the number he wore. He's he's a great he's great on social. Um, an interesting, interesting guy. He will like Eric Dickerson um, talk about the current team. Also, a ton of interaction with fans um, that whole bring back the Los Angeles Rams movement. Um, he um, really embraced uh, both in social life and social media. Um, but he'll also get political. Yeah. Tweet around about Iran and the election. And uh, he was all over the uh, CEO of Indian Wells on his uh, Serena say, Williams yeah. comments. Um, you know, there's an on, there's almost like his own little meme about him getting confused with Samuel Jackson, <laughs> which is fun. And, uh, also some stuff about, he, he's got a whiskey, uh, that he, he co-owns with Eric Dickerson actually called country smooth. So oh, nice. some interesting, uh, stuff there. Um, I think the other, the other two that you must follow, I would say, um, Jack Youngblood, uh, who's the blood 85, um, Mostly talks about um, present day football, uh, but came out strong against Greg Hardy and the domestic uh, violence um, charges. Uh, he's a great emissary for the Rams, but also uh, for the Hall of Fame. He really um, embraces inductees as uh, kind of brethren in a very public way. So that's kind of fun. Um, and Lisa Guerrero, um, who I think uh, she's just simply four. And then Lisa Guerrero, um, she's been, you know, long before January 12th, she was, um, well, she was shaking the metaphoric pom-poms. <laughs> she was a former cheerleader and, you know, for someone, um, building a career as an investigative journalist and an actress and a, and a TV, uh, personality, I think it, it, it took a lot of guts for her to be so open about where she came from. Sure. Um, a lot of fun pictures from back in the day. Um, so those were the ones that, that I, I thought you should definitely, uh, follow immediately. Uh, Dickerson, Leroy Irving, Jack Youngblood, and, uh, Lisa Guerrero. Um, I have one that's sort of, um, borderline, borderline, and then one like maybe unfollow. Um, <laughs> oh, who's the unfollow? That's the unfollow is Fred Dreyer, who, wow, what? <laughs> What a lunatic. I mean, he was always a lunatic, but he was a lunatic in a kind of 70s counterculture Warhol's factory kind of weirdo way. And now he's a lunatic he's in the sense funny. of like right wing talk radio kind of way. Um, his big his big um, issue uh, seems, from what I can ascertain, to be that the 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 leftward lurch that the Republican party has undergone since Reagan, he feels like they've really, you know, the, the big, the big issue is that the Republicans are way too leftist. That's his, huh. that's his pet issue. Um, and there's virtually nothing about the Rams and also virtually nothing about himself. Um, he's basically just using it as a, 
social media as a kind of megaphone to to shout his political beliefs. So yeah, I um, see one of these tweets right now. Uh, he it was a retweet and a comment. Like the original one was Bill Clinton was impeached. Yes, convicted. No, and he replied yes. There were no follow through on from the Senate. All cowards then and to this day. Shameful. So yeah, yeah I see him unfollow button. Good. Well, I'd never followed him anyway, so <laughs> he, <laughs> I will um, not hit follow. Yeah, there's this great, um, oh my, what a character he was. I mean, he was, he did, you know, obviously fame, most famously for playing a, a, hunt, a, a hunter on, uh, with uh, Stephanie Kramer on the long running hit series, uh, Hunter. Uh, but he also did spots on Cheers and, um, and Laverne and Shirley. Mm-hmm. And, uh, He's got the face. You know who he is yeah. as soon as you see him. If you don't think you know the name, yeah. Um, the one that I'm sort of on the fence about um, is someone I, I, I talked about a lot last week, Roman Gabriel. Um, his uh, handle is Roman Gabriel third, uh, the number three, and then RD. Um, he strangely follows more people than is followed that is very 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 yeah what do you, what do you have there he's currently he's following 1279 and his followers are only 869 that is um unprecedented mm-hmm. in terms of like in terms of buying low on a um on a yeah. football legend um now that being said he does get uh, very personal um kids mean a whole lot to him his faith means a whole lot to him and and um, but unfortunately, so do Dr. Ben Carson and Scotty McGreary. So uh, I don't quite know what to do with with Roman Gabriel. But um, I'll, I guess I'll just leave that up to to the audience. We 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 can only give you the tools. Um, right. What what you do with them is really up to you. In our final segment, which we call Film Study, we dissect an episode or scene from a film or television show that prominently features, you guessed it, Los Angeles Rams. Thankfully, there are thousands to choose from, many of which we're chronicling on our greatest show on grass, Tumblr. In prior weeks, we've focused on Rams in film. Today, we'll take a look at our first television show, specifically Season 4, Episode 7 of The Beverly Hillbillies entitled The Clampets Play the Rams. The Beverly Hillbillies sitcom ran on CBS from 1962 to 1971. It was phenomenally successful, becoming television's number one show faster than any sitcom in history, a mere six weeks into its debut. Though the New York Times called it strained and unfunny, and Variety said it was painful to sit through, Between 1962 and 1964, it averaged 57 million viewers at a time when the U.S. population was approximately 190 million. At several points during its run, 44% of American televisions were tuned into the show. The Clampets Play the Rams starts with Ellie Mae, played by Donna Douglas, teasing cousin Jethro about his date with the next-door neighbor's new maid, Linda Curry who he claims is, quote, crazy mad in love with him and ready to, quote, spark and spoon with him in the parlor. Ellie Mae has trouble believing him, given what she knows about Jethro's shoddy track record with the opposite sex. But Jethro says Linda told him that he has something that none of her suitors have got. 
cue to Next Door, where we meet Linda, played by Nina Shipman. Linda's primming in front of a mirror as she talks to one of her employer's other servants, Cook Marie. He's got color television. <laughs> and I don't want to miss that game tonight. The Rams are playing the Packers. But how can you stand Jethro for a whole evening? I don't even know Jethro's in the same room. Billy Munson starting at quarterback. Oh, is he dreamy? Nah, you can keep those fancy damn quarterbacks. Give me those linemen. Hey, how about me coming along? I don't know. Jethro thinks this is a regular date. It might be... Wait a minute. Mr. Drysdale's going to be out tonight. Can't you watch it here? I could have old tight fingers would break down and buy a new set. Matter, doesn't the old one work? Yeah, it works all right, but let's face it. Football just isn't football on a three-inch screen. (laughs) Especially those round ones. Okay, there's a lot going on here, so let's try to unpack some of it. First, there's the fact that the working-class characters are the ones interested in the game. The second interesting thing is the assumption that one couldn't truly experience a Rams game on anything other than a suitable color television, even if it's just to get a better look at the dreamy Rams quarterback. Which leads to the third interesting thing, that the Rams have a dreamy quarterback, We haven't talked too much on this podcast about Bob Waterfield yet, but it was Waterfield, more than anyone, who established the quarterback as a symbol of glamour. Weak-armed Billy Munson seems to have inherited some of that symbolism. Next, we cut to Jed Clampett, played by Buddy Epson, and Granny, played by Irene Ryan, discussing Jethro's penchant for falling head over heels for the opposite sex. Quote, Heaven help us, says Granny. When that boy's around a purdy girl, he plumb loses what little sense he's got. Jethro's played by Max Bear Jr., son of the great heavyweight boxer Max Bear Sr., who, besides beating Adolf Hitler's favorite boxer Max Schmelig while wearing a Star of David on his trunks in 1933, and winning the championship of the world in 1934, was known for his skills as a Lothario, romancing countless Hollywood starlets, including Mae West, Jean Harlow, and Greta Garbo, not to mention partaking in a menage a trois the night before his legendary fight with Jim Braddock in Ron Howard's Cinderella Man. Which makes it even funnier that Max Baer Jr.'s Jethro is hopeless with members of the opposite sex. Here's him and Linda entering the Clampett Parlor. Sit here, shall we? Okay. Oh, would you dim the lights first? Yes, ma'am. Then hurry, Jethro. I will, I will. It's almost time for the game. Well, what game is that? Post office or spin the bottle? Rams and Packers. Well, I don't know much about that one, but if it's got kissing in it, I'll learn it. It's football, Jethro. You, you want to play football? No, no, I just want to watch. Well, gee whiz, I'd rather we played something together. The football game is on television. Now, we can sit here and watch it. Watch television? Yes. The Rams' move from Cleveland to Los Angeles not only stationed the team in the epicenter of the nation's emerging entertainment industry, it also coincided with the rise of television. And the team was ahead of the curve in recognizing the emerging medium's potential. In 1950, the Rams became the first NFL team to televise all of its games, both home and away. Most NFL owners at the time saw television as a threat because it enabled thousands of potential paying customers to stay at home and watch the game from their parlors. The worries were not unwarranted, and the Rams did, in fact, see a decrease in ticket sales 
but the power of their brand only grew. The 1951 championship game between the Rams and the Browns was the first to be nationally televised, and watching a football game on television was a thing in L.A., even among women. In this scene, Linda interrupts Granny, who ironically had been planning on interrupting Jethro's date to help Linda stay awake. Quote, Being alone with Jethro is about as exciting as watching ice melt, exclaims Granny. Cue Linda's entrance. Oh, and that's Cook Marie who speaks midway through the scene. Excuse me, could I please have a glass of water? You bet. We can get a pitcher right here in the icebox. What's the matter, honey? Did you fall asleep? Fall asleep? This is the most thrilling and exciting evening I've ever had. It is? Yes, and it's only half over. Are you time for the second half? You sure are, honey. Say, you don't mind if she joins us, do you? Well, uh, no. It's all right with Jethro. Oh, he's being such a sweetheart. Come on, hurry. I invited a couple of friends. Come on, girls. There's gonna be four of you. Oh, it's all right. There are two sofas. Come on. Yes, up to 44% of the television sets in America in 1965 might have been tuned in to this joke about four-on-one sex with Max Baer Jr., a feat that would have doubled the alleged achievement of Max Bear Sr. Alas, Jethro doesn't get to experience four-on-one sex, or any sex for that matter. His heart is broken when he finds out the real reason Linda agreed to come over, and even contemplates jumping into the cement pond, i.e. the swimming pool, with an anvil tied around his neck. Thankfully, Jed catches him in the nick of time and talks him out of it talking him into taking up football to win over Linda's affections. So Jethro gets all uniformed up, along with the rest of the family, and starts training on the estate's property. He goes out for a long pass, just as Linda walks onto the premises, to witness him experiencing the most football of all moments, a head injury. 23, skidoo! Take it, Ellie! Watch him catch the ball! Play it, Ellie! Watch out, boy, you're headed for the wall! Jethro, are you all right? Huh? Yeah, I think so. Jethro, can I come over and see you tonight? Oh, you ain't gonna watch football on television, are you? No. No, word of honor. Okay, then you can come. Oh, thank you. By golly, the boy was right. These football uniforms sure get the women. Linda seems so won over that Jethro decides to wear his football uniform on their next date, which she schedules to coincide with the broadcast of a hockey game. When Jethro finds out her true intentions, this time he has an epiphany. What's the one thing that football players and hockey players have in common? They both do commercials. So he puts on his finest suit, invites Linda over to the parlor yet again, leads her to the couch, dims the lights, and proceeds to start shaving. That's right, shaving, a full lather and everything. But here's the twist. It works. How do you like that? (laughs) Oh, Jethro, I adore you. What's he doing? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. 
but it's working. Okay, the real reason it works is because Mr. Drysdale next door told Linda he'd buy a colored television set if she was nice to Jethro. But still, Jethro's shaving tactic seems vindicated. I can't take a guess as to which hockey player the writers of the show expect us to imagine in a Razor commercial. The Los Angeles Blades of the World Hockey League were L.A.'s team at the time and were actually owned by Dan Reeves, who also owned the Rams. But it's not likely that any of its players were doing national spots. The football player might have been Roman Gabriel, who was a spokesperson for Persona Razor Blades right around what would have been the time of the episode's airing. The Clampets Play the Rams is the seventh episode of the series' fourth season, debuting in the fall of 1965. So it's safe to assume that it was likely written at some point after the Rams' 1964 season, when they went 5-7-2 and two and were mired in a quarterback controversy, starting Roman Gabriel for six games and Bill Munson for eight. Bill Munson, of course, is the dreamy quarterback that Linda was crushing on in the beginning of the episode, whose unorthodox approach to passing, sidearm, and sometimes off the wrong leg, was in sharp contrast to Gabriel, who looked to be the platonic ideal of the modern quarterback. Regardless of which hockey or football player Jethro's mimicking, one thing's for sure, he stumbled upon a moment more football than even a head injury, the commercial endorsement. The Clampets Play the Rams is ultimately a joke about the contemporary sports icon, that the measure of a true football star transcends what he does on the field. The Clampets don't really play the Rams in the sense of opposing them on the field, though it might have been funny to watch Granny try to cover Jack Snow. They do play the Rams in another sense, since Jethro wins over Linda by portraying a would-be Ram in a shaving commercial. As Los Angeles' first championship pro franchise and Hollywood's de facto team, it's fitting that the Beverly Hillbillies would use the Rams as the metaphor for the contemporary sports celebrity. But there's another reason why I think this episode is significant. There's been a ton of talk lately about the fickle Los Angeles fair-weather fan and how the returning Rams will only be supported by the city when they win. This episode suggests otherwise. The writers of this show believed that Rams fans, particularly working-class Rams fans like Linda the Maid and Marie the Cook, would stick with the team even through five, seven, and two seasons. And perhaps more importantly, believed that the broadest swath of America believed that too. The episode is historical proof that the diehard Rams fan once thrived in Los Angeles, even if among a demographic that might not be able to afford tickets today. The Beverly Hillbillies' 1921 Oldsmobile truck has somehow chugged along, making pit stops in Rams history. Upon being drafted by the Rams, future All-Pro Jerry Gray claimed he had a nickname traceable to Buddy Epson's character on the show. Quote, Ever since I was in elementary school, they called me Jed, he told the Los Angeles Times in 1985. The Lubbock, Texas native also claimed to watch this show, then in syndication, every single day. The Beverly Hillbillies were also linked to the Rams this past January when Steve Perrin, a producer from a St. Louis news show, recorded a song parody about the team leaving his city set to the theme song from the Beverly Hillbillies. Here's a bit of the song titled The Ballad of Stan Kroenke. 
Come and listen to a story about a man named Stan. Back in 2010, said, I think I'll buy the Rams. Told everybody, don't you worry about me. I'm gonna stay right here in St. Louis, misery. Liar. Two-faced. You get the idea. Likening Cronky to Jed Clampett striking oil and moving to Beverly Hills is a bit strange since the intent is to portray Cronky as a villain and Clampett is hardly malevolent. If anything, we come to sympathize with his family and their folksy ways on the Beverly Hillbillies. Though we wonder whether they might have been better off had they stayed back in the Ozarks, they make their new home more interesting and colorful and, well, the ratings don't lie, more beloved. Thank you for listening to The Greatest Show on Grass podcast, part of the Sideshow Network. You can follow us on Twitter at LA Rams Podcast or email us at greatestshowongrass at gmail.com. Black gold, Texas tea. Well, the first thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. The kinfolk said, Jed, move away from there. Said, California is the place you ought to be. So they loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly Hills, that is, swimming pools, 